0: Welcome everybody. It's Draft Politics episode
1: 19. As always, I'm EJ and I'm here with Steve. Hey everybody. Welcome, welcome. Uh we've got a little extra long recording session tonight. Had to move around a little bit. Uh and we record a little extra content for when I'm out of the country, but we are here. We're still going. Uh, where are you at tonight? Actually, now that we're talking about locations,
0: I am in Michigan. I am just South of Flint. I'm in a, a town called Fenton, a Fenton township. It's also a city as that often happens. Um, I had to, uh, relocate for end of summer preschool kind of reasons. So, uh, really having a good time out here in, in Michigan where I am originally from in case, uh, in case you didn't know.
1: Where are you? Are you just at home or something? Uh, Yes, I'm just at home now. I was recording at Dovetail earlier uh, with the streaming, because we're both remote at this point and all that. My battery was dying on me, so I had to come back home to finish up. So uh, there is no crowd noise behind me right now. Ah. I may add some in and post just to give you that, that flavor of it's like we're at a bar. But I promise you, I was at a bar earlier. It is not. Not completely. But
0: you are still you still have a beer with you, right? Because we can't do this podcast
1: without a beer. I still okay. have a beer. What are you
0: drinking? What are you Correct. drinking right yes.
1: now? yes. And, and in fact, I have, uh, from Twisted Hippo, the old St. Augie's. Uh, yes, I had a wonderful four-pack of these fine uh, Twisted Hippo beers that you had brought me. I figured it would be appropriate to kill one of those uh, for this podcast. So I, I'm enjoying it. I, I
0: really love, you know, one of the things that I think has been very cool about the, the craft brewery, kind of movement right is that they've they've started giving you options on how you take your beer home so I think Twisted Hippo up on Montrose um, accessible to the brown line in Albany Park they've got both like the little four packs you can do four packs of certain beers like they're all year round beers you can do a sampler and I actually ordered the sampler for you and they like took out four four packs that were homogenous and like Broke them apart. Stuck them back together.
1: (laughs) together. Love that. Or you can do the the Crowler, which is a, the Crowler. I would open the Crowler, but I, I, but it is a school night. Come on. (laughs) Two straws,
0: two straws. You're going on vacation at the end of the week. Who cares? So, uh, I am, uh, like I said, I'm in Fenton, Michigan, and I'm at a place. Oh, well, I went to a place and brought some beer back. Uh, It's called Lynchpin Brewery here in Fenton. Um, And they make lots of great stuff. It's part of a bar and restaurant uh, and bakery that's really good. Um, I have a Space Monkey IPA. Now, I I don't understand exactly where IPAs and space got together. uh, But, you know, if you're local in Chicago, you go over there to Half Acre, they've got their space IPA, the deep space, double IPA, near-term space. Lots of space-related things. Um, you've got Elysian. Huh.
1: Ah, yeah, I've not lots, noticed that lots before, of space, that's an interesting right?
0: observation. Um, uh, Elysian Brewery in Seattle. They have their Space Dust, which is really, really good. Highly recommended. Uh, great label, too, if you haven't seen it. Um, Three Floyds has their space station middle finger, so I don't know. Space is a thing, uh, huh. but this Space Monkey is really good. I'm I'm still looking for the Space Ghost Coast to Coast IPA, but I haven't seen that one yet. I'm sure somebody's done it. Uh, but the the Space Monkey from from Lynchpin here really good. If you're in this part of the part of the country, in this part of the world, you're listening to the podcast. First, go to iTunes, rate us. Second of all, head on down or on up to Linchpin, uh, sit around, have something to eat. The sandwiches are fantastic and get one of their beers. They also have some beers from other Michigan breweries uh, like Shorts. They've got a fancy pants that's on tap right now. Uh, so uh, stop on by. Really Sounds good, excellent. really good stuff. Really good stuff from the Lynchpin. But now Chicago.
1: Yes, so uh, we got a good bit to talk about. I mean, not a lot of active stuff going on, but we're we're counting down the days until the uh, the budget address comes through. There's been a few developments around that, so yeah. uh, why don't you I mean, get started? The
0: show? noodles are in the pot and they're boiling, Steve. They're boiling.
1: I I suspect the noodles have been boiling far too long from previous administrations, and we're gonna have some soggy, yeah, unpleasant noodles yeah, exactly. that have been cooked too much uh, yeah
0: i think I, I think you're right i mean so we're at the end of uh lori lightfoot's first 100 days the honeymoon as they say is over you
1: know it's interesting um, and so i saw a uh an article talking about uh united working families had graded lightfoot's first 100 days and gave her a d Uh, talking about basically that there were several things that she had promised that she didn't get done in the first 100 days, like enacting a progressive real estate transfer tax or strengthening her sanctuary city policies, ending cash bonds, like lots of things that are good things that should be done. But it's only 100 days. Like, there has been good things that have gotten done, especially around, like, corruption and things like that that have been long needed to get fixed in Chicago.
0: Well, no, I mean, I think that's exactly right. And if you listen to the podcast last week, we talked to freshman aldermen who were like, my God, this is so hard. This takes a long time. There's a lot to do. Like this isn't Lori Lightfoot able to sort of dictate laws. Right. And we actually now are seeing those anti-corruption bills come into place. Right. So really stringent restrictions on. Where people as aldermen can work, you know what they can do outside of their job as aldermen to prevent prevent conflicts of interest. Looking at you, Ed Burke, right? Right. And so to have United Working Families who came out in very strong support of uh, of several aldermen and some successful uh, some successful elections uh, come out and say this like it just feels counterproductive, especially coming up to what we know is going to be a very tough budget address yeah
1: well you know and I, I being an outside group i think there's something to be said for you know they're putting pressure on and they're saying we're going to set a high standard we're going to hold you to that standard ultimately none of this grading or anything really matters until she's up for re-election right so this is she's got four years let's see where she ends up is she does she work on these things or you know does she get hamstrung by uh you know the budget you know does she get pushback from aldermen that prevents her from getting these things done you know we'll see what happens yeah um the one thing i will say though they called her out on was the elected school board and that's one thing that she actively helped to sort of stop at the state level so that's one i think a call out is totally appropriate even though it's only 100 days in but the rest of stuff i'm like let's let's see what happens yeah, let's give them that one. I, I'm and I'm I'm with you on that.
0: I I'm a fan of the elected school board, generally speaking. Um, I I do wonder, not in a defensive way, but I do wonder if it's a let's choose our thing that we want to deal with, um, and that is a moving part that we don't necessarily need. Um, I think maybe
1: in her calculus, but no. You know, like I said, she's got four years, so let, let's see. You know, I mean, I think the thing is, if she got a bunch of this other stuff done and, and didn't do that, and we get to four years from now, and she's up for re-election, I'm feeling pretty good about it if she gets a lot of those other things done. If she doesn't, then it's like, okay, well, and you didn't do that, too.
0: All or nothing, still a D. No, wait, that's not right. Um, <laughs> Fail. Can we take 30 seconds? Because my battery's at... 13 minutes all of a sudden. Loner laptop. Yes. It went from 35
1: minutes to 13 minutes in a second. I'll be right back. This podcast brought to you by the makers of batteries. Batteries. They get you through life with power and energy. Batteries. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm back. Hey, how you doing? I'll put you on hold. I feel like we need a, we need an official battery sponsor for this uh, podcast. <laughs> and hold music brought to you by Chuck
0: Mangione and his magical
1: <laughs>
0: Chuck Mangione's mouth trumpet. Well, it wasn't a trumpet. He uh, he played something else. Euphonium. Well, sure. Why not? Fugelhorn. Fugelhorn, Chuck
1: Mancione. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast brought to you by Fugelhorns <laughs> because any other instrument isn't nearly as hilarious sounding as Fugle fuglehorns.com <laughs> So,
0: so, right. I mean, I think, as you said, like, hey, maybe if all of those other pretty progressive things get done in her first term, Maybe that grade will increase, but I I don't know. It it feels a little counterproductive at this time, especially since, again, we know what's happening with the budget, or at least we know enough to know that those storm clouds are rolling in, right? So, you know, we've had this announcement for a while. Lori is going to hold a press conference, you know, this week to talk about the budget and this huge shortfall she announced a hiring freeze across the entire city Um, they've announced that they're going to be a series of public forums to talk about the budget Um, and I think that the idea here is that you know and she said she was going to do this during her campaign like I'm going to hear what people are okay with what do they like what do they don't like what can we cut you know so we know there's there's bad stuff brewing That's going to start with this, start with this speech this week. And what are you afraid of in that speech?
1: (laughs) I mean, I think it's just going to be, I mean, I think it's a question of how do we get through the next couple of years? Because if the theory on all this is we're going to change some things at the state level, we're going to get a progressive income tax through the fair tax and we're going to start, Improving that revenue stream so that we don't have to make, you know, drastic cuts at the city level. Um, you know, I think it's a question of how do we get the next for couple of years? And then, and then after that, the question is, well, if the fair tax doesn't pan out, <laughs> then what? Because yeah. um, it could get pretty ugly at that point. Um, you know, maybe Detroit had filed for bankruptcy. There's no reason why Chicago couldn't end up in a similar position. So. Yeah, you no, know, that, we'll that's that's true,
0: and you know, right now I'm pretty close to Detroit, and a, really a different situation in Michigan, but still, yeah. Uh, although, I think if we look at the revenue streams that Chicago has, they're they're far more substantial than Detroit has had in a long long Oh, yeah. Time.
1: It's a much more diversified economy yeah. and, and all of yeah. that. So that that makes sense. I mean, it, it is clear um,
0: that Lori is kind of digging through the cash cushions right now, like looking for any any cash they have. What can we do? Um, so one thing they found was like $11 million in uncashed checks, like 22,000 individual checks. It's $11 million. Okay. Um, yeah. I guess they're also gonna start charging churches and nonprofits for ch- trash pickup you know any little any little bit helps um, and as you said like there's been a a very strong nod toward needing state help uh, or restructuring of the way that funding works at the state level to make the
1: finances work at the city level yeah well you know and in- Part of what I find frustrating about our budget morass is that we have these TIFs and the TIFs nominally, and I'm kind of skipping ahead a little bit in our conversation, yeah. but, um, you know, this money has been diverted from TIFs away from the sort of general budget into specific, you know, real estate development and all sorts of things to nominally deal with blighted areas of the city. And so that's like, that's like half a billion dollars a year that ends up in those TIF districts that is not going towards paying for schools paying for parks paying yeah. for you know just the general maintenance
0: and and just for refresher right TIF is an acronym tax increment financing so you know essentially it's that clarifies it so right. much, sir. so Thank it you. says <laughs> look we're we're kind of freezing things at a certain level so we're going to freeze the tax revenue that goes to the municipality or what it would normally go to at a certain level in a certain area and draw a line around something. And everything above that gets diverted to another fund that is supposed to go to investment in that community in a special way. So instead of it just going to, right. you know, the sort of everyday fund workings of that part of the city it should go to special projects and those could be anything right like if you're in Lincoln Square on Lawrence you'll see we've got a boulevard there and it's like crossing areas brought to you by the TIF, you know but there are other places yep. where it's supplementing
1: big developer projects like Lincoln Yards right yes yeah and so what we've seen historically has been that TIFs have become a tool of power for the mayor, which gets back to our you know, podcast last week when we were talking about the aldermen and the role of the mayor's office and how they interact with it. And what happens is basically is that... It, that the, the mayor has a lot of power over how those TIF funds are allocated and recently this came up with lincoln yards where there's 1.3 billion dollars in spending allocated for helping to develop lincoln yards so that's you know infrastructure improvements around there etc cetera, etc cetera. and what happens is part of the TIF process is that it's intended to be for blighted areas of the city right so it's You know, and we could get into a deep dive on what does blighted mean, but there are many different metrics around it, you know, in terms of like, you know, property values and all that. And back before the, back when this vote happened, the area Lincoln Yards is trying to develop in was identified as being sufficiently blighted to get a TIFF. Two months later, it is not. Not so much blight. (laughs) Blight moves Um, on. not so much blight because and 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 if you know chicago and you know that area that doesn't surprise you in the least because you've got you know a lot of development happening nearby and it's all expanding into there so for the developers of lincoln yards this is all good for them because they're getting this extra infusion of money to build up the area that they're going to have to spend they're going to basically be building on where that sort of wave of development is is going it's all great for them, and that's money that doesn't go into schools, doesn't go into parks, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Yeah, and you know, having talked to a lot of people around the city about TIFs, generally speaking, right? You know, lots of people think that it is they are slush funds, right? They're something that, in the end aren't being used for the right reasons and to the benefit of everybody. And you heard during campaigns, this idea of sweeping the TIFs. So there are these surpluses across the TIFs across the city and saying like, you know what? You can close some of these budget gaps, especially on the, on the school side by sweeping the, sweeping the TIFs up. Let's get those surpluses. Let's pull them back together, put them back into the general fund and close some of these gaps. You know, and we talked about, you know, some complaints from united working families. Uh, like where is that one, right? Like that to me is a structural change that is going to make a big difference. And you know, like saying we're we're not going to let these.
1: Well, and to be fair to them, there were they were specifically going after promises that that Lightfoot had made. So that was a like here's a promise you made that hasn't been fulfilled. So that's, that's a separate thing, but I get what you're saying is like, these are things that are sort of like a critical thing Uh, that sort of gets, it it comes up during elections and it kind of falls off. But Lori also did talk
0: about sweeping up the TIFs surpluses, And I, I, I know she did. Um, and I think that that's, you know, there's a difference between a specific policy change and a structural change that's going to help us implement those policy changes right it's all well and good to say we want to do x but if we can't pay for right, it right you no know, there are there are ways that we have to look at the budget and our sort of long structural restrictions that will unlock those changes we want to make you know i think we've heard we've heard politicians especially progressive ones talk about us being broke on paper but not broken reality and we just have to have the political will to turn that reality into something we can use. And that's one of those, one of those big things. Yeah. Sigh. So speaking of, uh, you know, uh, we, we touched just briefly on hundred days and actual accomplishments. You know, I, I think one of the big ones there was the passing of, of real ethics reform. You know, an ethics reform that has been needed for a long time and maybe one of those big things that comes out of that is sort of limiting conflicts of interest by saying if you are, you know, if you're an alderman, you, you just can't get into these situations where you're essentially representing the city on one side and fighting against the city on the other like you're an attorney appealing taxes right right
1: yeah i mean and ultimately it's those sorts of like it's those kinds of things that then lead to the larger corruptions of the system right so it's like that's how we get into i mean a lot of the, what's gone with tiffs is about real estate developers and ultimately their campaign contributions and how all right. of that power works. yeah no kidding and
0: <laughs> i have to say that you know through all of this And, you know, for those of you who have listened to the podcast from the beginning, there have been some places where we have been somewhat prescient. And I think this is one of them where we said in an earlier podcast, Ed Burke will help Lori pass these ethics reforms and they will immediately impact Ed Burke. And they have. I believe we did. I believe we we did. Absolutely. Episode three. Just listen to it. Um, You know, for... It was a great episode. We that predicted episode? that. I'll have to go back and listen. To the Ed Burke's indictment. We talked about the timing of Ed Burke's indictment and what this would mean to getting some of these ethics pat passed. And they've passed, and now uh, they've gone into effect. And Ed Burke has been kicked out of his law firm, right?
1: Yeah, I mean that's the thing, and like you know, there's so much more to be done. But it's nice to see some of these basic like functioning of government things actually happening and it having a real impact on people who have corrupted the system for so long well i think we all need to
0: kind of take a bit take it as a win i would hope we need to take it as a win and you know for all of the other things that are going on and again we're going to have this big budget speech to be honest it can all be undone if there's a teacher strike and we are you know we're about a month out from when there could be a teacher strike. So September 25th uh, would be the first legal day of a CPS strike. Lots of rhetoric, and we've heard that rhetoric uh, up to this point. I think we've talked about it several times. It's, it's very important to me, uh, both as a resident in the city as and as somebody who has a couple of kids in CPS. Um, but it, it continues to get more high pressure as the rhetoric increases and we get closer to the start of school, which is a week from today.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, it's important to bear in mind that a lot of these things may ultimately be negotiation tactics and, you know, pushing things to a certain limit makes it tends to help you, you know, get a better deal in some cases. Um you know, so I think what's going to happen is as we're, like you're going to see from now through September 25th, there's going to be a ramping up Red rhetoric. There's going to be threats of the strike happening. We might go to a strike briefly and pull back from it fairly quickly. You know, we'll see. I, it's hard to know, like, what the daylight is between both sides here, because one of the things I found interesting about the way this negotiation has unfolded is that... Um, the teachers have been talking about a broader set of issues than simple pay increases. So like yeah, as they should, and I appreciate that. Yeah. But. And, and so we, we had this fact finder that was looking at the sort of objectively uh, as much as one can be looking at what the teachers were saying, looking at what the city was saying and trying to figure out like what makes sense for pay increases. So the fact finder recommended uh, a five-year plan that involved 16% pay increase over those five years. So, um, you know, and it's, you know, so it takes like, for example, a second-year teacher would go from 53000 in 2019 to 72000 in 2024. So that's a pretty good increase there. Um, but it also comes with an increase, recommend increase of one percent towards healthcare contributions. Uh, you know, going back to what I said on previous podcasts, like if we had Medicare for all, then you can take that out of these salary negotiations because that will just be, you know, you pay for that uh, as part of your taxes. Um, ultimately, that proposal is higher than what the CPS was offering. Uh, but he didn't. the 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 fact finder did not look at all at. Affordable housing or class sizes or the, you know, how many clinicians and counselors they were hiring and early childhood education, like all these other things that have been a thing that the CTU has been bringing up as part of the negotiation aren't even in this. So as you look at that larger thing, it really, what it comes down to for the CTU is quality of life for the teachers. How much are they having to do in their classrooms to make up for you know the social problems in chicago and you know how many students do they have to deal with every day is it 20 or is it 40 because that's a big difference in terms of their workload Um, oh yeah so you know so none of that was in that part of things and so it's hard to say like how that's going to fit into the overall negotiations do they say i get only 20 kids in my classroom but i get paid a little less or you know and I don't even I don't really know from the previous negotiations with the CTU and CPS, like kind of how all that stuff played into that. I, uh, You know,
0: I would love to say that I know those details as well, but I. I don't know that anybody does,
1: to be well, honest, and I think I think a lot of it is that it's it's the CTU, I think, has broadened this conversation very deliberately in this round of negotiations relative to previous negotiations. You know, and also I think part of it is when they were negotiating with ROM, I could just assume CTO was correct and <laughs> ROM was not. Whereas there's like possibly some more nuance to this with uh, with a different administration on board. Although it's the same negotiators, right? So
0: right, uh, Lori intentionally did not change the negotiators with CTU. You know, she said she felt like, Having a rapport was more important than having different people because she would set the direction yeah. um, uh, but they have and you're you're absolutely right to to call out that CTU has broadened this out uh, they've made the discussion a little more nuanced than than previously um, so I think that that is something that we'll have to see what both other teachers and parents have an appetite for right right are they are they able to read this nuance and say like well wait a minute you know cps is offering like pretty good increases like if ctu says like oh yeah i mean i guess those are fine not quite what we wanted but more importantly we're not getting these other things here like uh, is that going to limit the
1: it's going to be interesting to see like how this plays out across the city right because like if the cto is fighting for affordable housing that's going to play in some areas differently than it does others and some voters differently than it does others Um, Uh, yeah and and is this a voting
0: thing i and i i've never i've never kind of wrapped my brain around you know this is Lori's first year so let's say there's a strike of a week or a month like like is does she really have the incentive to cave on things? Does she have the money to cave on them? Is a separate thing, um, and maybe there's a big tie-in between the speech that's coming up and saying
1: we're kind of out of money, um, and it makes yeah. It I impossible may very well be to, to say to do like these we'd things. love to pay you guys more, but uh, the checkbook is bare. So yeah, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I, and I again as a parent, right? I. I care a great deal about our teachers and uh, you know, the teachers that I know inside and outside of my kids' school and all of those things. Um, I, I, don't know what the right, I don't know what the right balance is. Um, I know that in the end, nobody's probably going to be happy. Uh, but I would like to see there to be a, a compromise that is reasonable. And I I think that there is a possibility that some of these, we've talked about this a lot, but some of these items might get kicked down the road a little bit. Um, And there might be a point where the CTU says, we recognize that the district is somewhat hamstrung right now and that there is an opportunity based on things that are happening in Springfield And a benefit to them to wait to see what the sort of the framework for funding is going to look like in 2020
1: and one other thing that plays off that is um the the, uh the city has talked about a five-year proposal uh the cto has proposed a three-year contract and that very clearly is saying, "Well, okay, like we can say three years and whatever the framework of that is, but that lines it up with the election." At saying, "Okay, yeah, it's a good point." You know, what wh- you know, and so it may very well be that the CTU decides we're willing to sign off on a three-year deal on the assumption that we're going to have far more ability to pressure you politically. Three years down the line and we can get mm-hmm. potentially more out of that deal depending on where the city sits with you know because I mean honestly they'll, everybody will be in a better position there because they'll know how much money is coming in from the fair tax if that passes how much money is coming in from uh, marijuana legalization etc et so they can have a much better sense of where they sit maybe there's been a recession between now and then who knows but right now it feels like a lot of balls are in the air and so maybe that's where we end up is They just sort of, everybody punts. We get like, you know, some raises in the meantime, leave the big issues out there and then come back to the table in three years. I,
0: I mean, I could totally see a world where, and maybe this is another one of our prescient things, right? Everybody finds some kind of temporary agreement and then they all join forces to get the fair tax passed. Yeah. Because we've said it before, I think that this is, absolutely the biggest thing that's going to happen next year in oh. Illinois. Oh, yeah, 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 Say what you want. Say what you want about the presidential election. Foregone conclusion, right? Yeah. Uh, there, are th- What's going to happen with the biggest thing in Illinois next year is going to be fair tax. Every stakeholder that has a, a valid interest in there being more revenue for the state is going to be in on that thing. They have to be lockstep they yep. have to be together that's all of the unions that's the governor's office that's the the mayor's office so they've got to get it cleared out so they can be solely focused on getting that done yep
1: no 100% so that's agreed. my prediction I, no strike I, temporary agreement everybody yeah, works I would for say, fair tax i would say no strike or a limited strike um you know, and then they try to go for three or three. Now, obviously, if you're Lightfoot, you want a five-year deal so that it isn't mucking up your reelection bid. But you know, as a as a compromise, it may end up being where we go. Yeah. All right. Well, so we brought up a yeah. little bit of uh, the state in terms of our budgets there, so it seems like a natural transition. Uh, it does, because yeah, we've had stuff that's happened on the state level, Pritzker. Yeah. making making waves he's doing stuff he's signing stuff doing good stuff yeah no i like he uh signed a law that would forbid landlords from evicting tenants because of their immigration status um so yeah and so basically you as you know if you have civil proceedings around that that's not something that can be brought up uh so that's good and that defends those immigrants from you know any issues around that uh you know and i think overall pritzker's done a lot of good things like this which are small uh, improvements to, you know, civil liberties in the state uh, that weren't necessarily on people's radars, but are, like, overall good things. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there, it's a sign of sort of,
0: look, we said we were going to do these things, we want to be progressive, we want everybody to know that we're inclusive, we're sanctuary, all, all of those things, we're going to keep kind of knocking those things off, we're going to show our priorities um, with the supermajority that Illinois has right now in the you know in the houses let's let's try to get those things done so I applaud that I think the other big thing that I was extremely happy to see although it was one of those things where it was like I'm really happy to see that but I'm disappointed that it had to be done was uh, the raising the minimum salary for teachers in Illinois to $40,000 over the next few years
1: yeah yeah and if you think about the amount of work that a teacher like you know a lot of the people who are becoming teachers will have debt associated with their college education as a teacher you have the hours you have in school plus the hours that you work out of school Uh, as much as uh, everybody has this notion that teachers don't do anything over the summer and it's great for them like A lot of teachers do end up working over the summer. They have to end up working other jobs to make up for the fact that they're not working during the summer. So, uh, you know, it's it's 40 K is, you know, as a minimum. I mean, it is definitely a minimum. Uh, I'm curious to know, like what places were because I don't think Chicago is paying that low. So I'm curious, like what cities in Illinois were paying. Yeah. And my understanding is that that sort of thing splits
0: out. Um so Illinois and Chicago kind of are treated as separate entities school-wise. Yeah. Um there are some very specific laws that kind of divide them and um Yeah. Uh, but still, still it shows the priorities um and that's a I think that's a that's a good thing. Oh, absolutely. Now maybe on the on the less good thing, we saw the Inspector General's report uh, coming out of, you know, some investigations about the the Speaker's office. And essentially, I don't even know how to say it, just super widespread, like really egregious sexism and harassment. Yeah.
1: You know, and right. I can't say as I'm entirely shocked by that, given yeah. you know, how long madigan's been office how sort of you know part of that old school illinois and chicago politics that he's a part of that there's you know that kind of harassment and, su- and such going on there not shocked not yeah shocked shocked not shocked <laughs> and the
0: inspector general's report all pinned everything on this guy timothy mapes uh not related to shout out mapes uh from dune um, so it's Timothy Mapes he was that's a very nerdy deep cut I was there. gonna say uh, like that's that's
1: impressive sir <laughs> that is a deep cut so Mwah deep uh, yes <laughs> a Mwah deep cut excellent
0: so he was chief of staff for medigan um and he's also gone right he's been gone several months so like Here it is. The inspector general's report comes out. Big news. It's somebody they've already gotten rid of. Nothing to see here. Everybody move along. That's very convenient. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is very convenient. And one of the things that I, I found really interesting about the report. Um, I can't say that I read every line I did. I did read parts of it and skimmed through it and like going through and you're, you're seeing this and it's like, this person had all of the power. They, they, all of these things were routed into an individual. And that person, Timothy Mapes, really was set up to be the fall guy, right? Like, like he was, like, somebody said, like, well, how could you go talk to Madigan? Like, well, you got to talk to Mapes, and he probably wasn't going to let you talk to Madigan. So, he is Johnny Plausible Deniability, that's how yeah. I looked at it. Like, hey, no, it doesn't matter what, uh, what's happening. I know we got all these indictments going around, people going around. Look at this guy, Mapes. This guy, Mapes, wouldn't let anybody talk to Madigan. Harassment, it's the Mapes. Bribery, probably the Mapes. Everybody stops at the Mapes. The buck stops at the Mapes.
1: You see this in corporate structures and things like that, where basically it's like intended to create this barrier to protect the people who have the, the real power. And yeah. so it's like, okay, well, I didn't do it. I simply suggested it would be good to get to a certain goal. And then, you know, that thing happens because somebody else did it on their behalf, knowing that's what they wanted to do.
0: Not my fault. Can I have my bonus now? Um, yeah, so exactly. I, yeah, it, was, it was really, it was disheartening, but not surprising. You know, and anytime, I, I've got to say, anytime an investigation finishes or somebody says like, here are the things that we found. And there's a zero second delay between here, are the things that we found, here's the person who's responsible. And here are the things that we're already doing or have already started to do to get rid of that problem. So it's not a thing. I always suspect that my cynical, you know, the cynical flag start
1: flying and I'm like, well, that's not real. Right. Yeah. Um, Oh, we only found problems that have already been solved. Oh, yeah. Well, that's nice for you. That means there are no <laughs> oh. problems. Very proactive. Good job. <laughs> exactly. Was your
0: past self troubled by these? No. Yes. Then your present self is fine. Right. Um, right. right. I, I, it, it, it really rang to me of, like, I don't want to say setup, because I, I, I believe that this person was probably not a great guy but also it just still felt very old school where
1: it it wasn't that. I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. I mean, basically he did those abuses, but the system was set up so that if any abuses were going to happen, it was going to fall on him. Like it was intended to protect whoever's above. So if abuse like, Oh, well those tough, harsh, terrible things need to happen. I don't have anything to do with it. That's that guy over there let that happen and you know i mean it seems completely implausible to me that you know that madigan had no sense of any of this going on yeah he may not have been directly involved in it but you know that he allows it to continue is is sort of causing it in a in a in a sense yeah it's like uh, well why would he know like
0: why would he not uh notice that He's never talking to anybody like right. Only the good ideas come through. I, so uh, again, it's one of these things where just I hope it doesn't continue politics as usual. Um, the people who came out and sort of spoke very strongly about this. Uh, it took a great deal of courage. And, you know, these are disappointing problems to have. And I would love to see JB Pritzker kind of try to take some kind of stand about it, but I don't know that he will.
1: <laughs> I, I, come on, man! I'm trying to end somebody in the Democratic note. Party take a stand against the Vatican? No, that's not how this works. gonna. It could happen. You know, I mean, that's that's you know, that's one of the things that's what, it's long bummed me out. I mean, it's like I'm glad that you know we have Democrats in charge of the House and the Senate and the in the governorship in Illinois, and I think it's been a lot of good things being accomplished. But you know. Ultimately, when you look at the problems Illinois has with its budget and all that sort of stuff, and Chicago and all that, like a lot of that all comes back to Madigan, and yet he is seemingly immune to any sort of consequences for, you know, both those actions and actions with his own within his own office yeah. where people are being, you know, bullied it's, and harassed and all that. It is so. a
0: concentration of party or power. That causes these yeah. these problems. And look, Absolutely. Uh, there is going to be more news around this front, you know, sort of indicts, indictments and investigations kind of swirling, which is one of my favorite verbs when whenever news organizations talk about these things. Details, always sketchy. Accusations, always swirling. Yes,
1: swirling like hurricanes, you could drop a nuke on. Huh? Yeah,
0: you could. Here they are rock you like a hurricane all right so i think well, that's I think it
1: that, uh,
0: yeah yeah i think we're good this is good so we're gonna take a couple it's weeks a, off right
1: Been a long podcasting day everybody we yes. uh started uh a little while ago we had a little extra time we need to record and uh we've had a few beers so i think we're uh ready to punch out speak for yourself
0: i've had many the uh we've got a couple <laughs> weeks off right you're going on your honeymoon so Congratulations. Yes. That should be a Thank lot you. of fun. You'll be visiting yes. various and sundry
1: uh, nations across Europe. I will have many beers in many locations. I will yeah. I will tell you all about it when I get back. And I think no news will happen while you're gone. I mean, I've... One, one I've would assume uh, there will be a Democratic yeah. debate while I'm gone. So hopefully there will be not any uh, major exciting conclusions. Actually, the first... I actually was traveling uh, when... The first Republican debate happened in 2016 when Trump started to sort of make his crawl towards power. And uh, I, I was watching it from a hotel room in Tokyo. <laughs> so, so hopefully this time when I'm overseas and debates are happening, things will work out better.
0: <laughs> wow. Okay. Right. Well, we'll talk to everybody in a couple of weeks. Uh, listen to our special edition next week. We're going to really deep dive into climate change and some of the policies that we've got coming out around pol- uh, around climate change and maybe just different ways to think about it and how we as voters, especially and most likely on the Democratic side, you know, are evaluating our plethora. I'm going to say plethora because who knows how many next week uh, of candidates there are for. For president how we evaluate their policies so please take a listen um just give it some food for thought chew on it we'll be back to you when we're both back together in chicago thanks all
1: right take care everybody